as prisoners for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And I'm not saying that I'm all there, but I just want to say that in my life, God has helped me to have a desire to live for him and live. That's my burning passion to live a life worthy of the Lord and the calling that I've received because he's done so much for me. I just want to talk um, real fast about my childhood. I came from a you know, I came from a good family. My parents were good, hardworking people, Roman hardcore, Roman Catholics on both sides, went to, went to Catholic school. So when they got married, they both didn't want anything to do with <laughs> going to church um, or going to Catholic church. I really only went once in a great while to, to a Catholic mass, and that was um, at Christmas time generally. And my parents both had a reverence for God, but we didn't... Um, go to church and we didn't read the bible and we didn't i didn't know anything about god in fact the only um the only acknowledgement that i would ever give god he wasn't a part of my life at all the only acknowledgement i remember giving him is when i found my journal when i was about eight years old and my dog got ran over by a train and just saying oh god why did you do this to me i don't i don't remember having any relationship with god in my whole life at all but when I, and when I was about 13 years old, I had some pretty um, devastating things happen to me, which opened up a door of defilement in my life. And I'm sure you can probably imagine what those things might have been. Uh, and it opened up a door in my life where I just was bound by a spirit of fear. I, ha- I had people follow. I really, I really did. And then also I think I imagined people following me. And um, I, of course, read horrible Stephen King books which I had to have burned out of my conscience by the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was just filled with uh, horror movies, and, and I didn't have God in my life, okay? So when I went away uh, to college, something happened to me. God, it was like a light switch went on, and I began to think about spiritual things. A hunger began to burn in me. I didn't know. I knew there was a God, but I didn't know anything about God. Even though I went to Catholic Church, I didn't know anything about Jesus. I've heard about his name, but I never heard anything about Jesus. And I went to college, and all of a sudden, it was like this realm opened up to me. Like you're in a, a, a room with a short ceiling. All of a sudden, the, the ceiling blew off, and I had this sense that there was a spiritual realm out there. And I began to search and search, and I picked up a Koran. <laughs> I delved into witchcraft, which scared the living daylights out of me, and I had the fear of God fall on me. I, as soon as I went there and started reading all this stuff, I don't, did not like the manipulation of people and things to control other people and all that to get what I wanted. I didn't like that witchcraft thing. Um, I, I was very interested in Native American religions. I had tarot cards. wasn't into Ouija boards because that was like the witchcraft thing and scared the wits out of me. Um, I thank God. And I just began to really look for everything. In fact, if you were to go in my house when I was in college, you would have seen an altar there. And on the altar was every sort of book or religious symbol from all the different religions that I could find. Because I was searching. I was hungry. God put a hunger in my heart for the spiritual thing. There wasn't even a Bible on there. When I picked up the Bible to try to read it, of course, it didn't make any sense to me because I always, you know, you're supposed to start at the beginning of the book. And so I'd start at the beginning and be like, fall asleep before I was done with this second verse. So I was hungry. I was looking. Now, just about that time, I'm dating myself here, but that movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, does anybody remember that movie? Okay. Full of heresy and everything. I understand. But I'll tell you, I did not know anything about that then. And that movie played on the college campus at my college in Colorado. And I went to see that movie. And that movie blew me out of the water. Because, and even now, I don't remember all the heresy and all the stuff that's in it. But what I remember is that Jesus Christ became a real person to me. And around, it was playing at around Easter time. All my friends are away from spring break. They thought I was crazy because I was always looking for something new, some new spiritual experience. I, they were all gone. I went to the health food store, bought myself a little bread and some grape juice, and I went home and I took communion. I didn't even know what the heck I was doing. I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing, but I took communion. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, came into my room. He came into my room. That was the first experience that I had with the power of God. He came into my room. From that moment on, I knew, but I didn't 
attribute it to Jesus, but I was on a I was on a wild search for God. I would go on hikes because that's what you do in Colorado. <laughs> One of the things you do besides farming, right? Schaefer's back there. Um, I would go hiking, and that was my pastime. Saturday, Sunday, every time I could, I would go hiking up to thirteen, fourteen thousand feet. And as I was walking up those um, mountains, many, many times, almost every time that I went hiking, I would fall on my hands and knees at the glory and the splendor, and and with this ripping pain in my heart going, I know there's a God out there. I know there's a God and I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to find him. I don't know how to attain Godhood or I didn't know I didn't know what I was even crying out for, but I was hungry. I was really hungry for God. About that time, I was working in a restaurant and there was a man in there that introduced me. I mean, the devil had his way. Introduced me to um, Hinduism, which is a Hinduism-based book which had a lot of New Age stuff involved in it. And so I started getting into that, and um, <clears throat> I ended up quitting that job, and I started working for this Nepalese restaurant, and I went to Nepal. And my whole motivation for going to Nepal, anybody know where Nepal is? A lot of people don't, so I won't make you guess, but it's a little tiny country between India and China, um, which where uh, Mount Everest is, okay? And they're very hardcore Hindu uh, religions there, and there's a lot of Buddhists and um, Muslims as well, but mostly Hindus. And so I knew that I was going to go over there. I was going to shave off all my hair, put on some robes, and join an ashram. That's what I was going to do. I'm serious. I was totally serious. That's what I was so wanting to find God. And it's not me. It's something that God put in me. He put a fire in my bones to find him. And he used it. Uh, so anyway, I was going to go there. Well, I ended up not doing that. I ended up coming back. Came back. And when I came back, that guy that, I, that had introduced me to that stuff had become enlightened. Now, for those of you who have never delved into that stuff, I don't advise it. <laughs> don't go there. Don't find out what that means. I mean, but what it was is basically... You know, in the New Age and the Hinduism and the Buddhism and all that, you're basically remembering that you're, you're trying to get to the place where you remember that you're God because you forgot. And that was the whole thing that I was, um, yeah, right? Okay, so I, he became enlightened. And what that is, in my definition, is a state of complete hostile demonic takeover where you are not you anymore and you have been overtaken by demons (laughs) basically it's where you have a revelation that you are one with everything and that you are god and everybody is god okay and so they developed a cult right before that cult started the woman there was a woman so it was a man and a woman i met this woman and she used to do channeling Okay, I'm getting out there, but I'm going to glorify God in a second. I just want to tell you what I came out of in case you know somebody that's struggling with this kind of stuff. Okay? This woman, it was all beautiful. The, the, the devil comes dressed as an angel of light. Amen? So we would go into this beautiful room. There would all these people be, be these people all sitting around. There were candles and incense, and everything was all calm. And this lady would get up on the stage, and she would begin to meditate. And as she meditated took about two minutes and all of a sudden she was completely overtaken with uh, an entity that had many voices. We all know what that is. It's totally demonic. But, but in that setting, everyone thought it was really cool. And that, that entity would tell people about their lives and tell people stuff that was true. And, and it would be true. And so everybody was drawn to it and it was packaged so beautifully. All right, so I was drawn to that. I was looking for the truth. I was searching so hard. So I ended up becoming so that woman who channeled that trance, she went into a trance, and that man that I used to know got married. There was about 30 years in difference in age, and they got married. And they formed a cult. But they didn't want it to be called a cult. I mean, of course, they would never say it was. And they joined, and a bunch of people started following them, and I was one of them. And I, what that looked like was that I would go to their house, and they would have these meetings, and they would do these meditations, and then we'd eat a lot of Indian food, because it's kind of the Buddhism factor, or, uh, Hinduism factor. And 
we would hang out together and they would just see we'd all sit around like Jesus you know they did with Jesus Jesus would sit there and they'd all sit around and listen to what them what they had to say and they would say things that sounded really good and how many know the devil speaks things that has a little bit of truth in it and feeds it to you filled with deception all right <clears throat> so it sounded really good to me but God had great mercy on me because I hated meditation I hated it. Everybody was just sitting there blanking their minds and disappearing and having these things for like two hours. You had to sit there and you're, I'm just sitting there going, oh, God, I hate that. I mean, I was just like, okay, what am I going to do tomorrow? And I'd make my list, my checklist. So I hated it. I felt like such a bad cult person. You know, I didn't, you know, I felt so bad. I, I just couldn't. I thought there was something wrong with me. And I know it was because God was protecting me so I wasn't overtaken by demons. Amen? So... Anyway, um, I hated meditation. Right after that, um, I took a trip to Santa Fe with my mom. First of all, these people decided they were going to move to Hawaii. And this is how I ended up going to Hawaii, okay? They decided they were going to move to Hawaii. And so I was impetuous and impatient and everything. And so I was so excited to go. Of course I'm going. I'm going. I'm just going to pack all my stuff. And this whole cult was going to move to Hawaii. But before I left, I went to Santa Fe with my mom and my sister and brother. It was like our last trip before I left, family trip. And I went, every, I, we went to this little, you know how in um, that area, they have those little churches that have like um, crutches on the walls and they have holy water and stuff like that. It was kind of like an old building. And all these miracles had taken place there. So I walked into this room and there was all these tourists and stuff and all of a sudden everybody left. And I was standing there by myself suddenly and I just had that feeling that I had that one time when Jesus visited me in my room. And I just cried out and I prophesied over my life and I said, I don't know why, what I'm doing, but all I know is my whole life is about serving God and I don't, I don't know who you are, I don't know what you are, I don't know where you are, but my whole life is about serving you. And I made this declaration over myself. About a week later, I was back in Colorado. And um, the enemy knew that I was going to get saved real soon. And so I had this experience one morning where I actually did meditate. And I ended up having a Satori experience. Those of you who have been in, maybe nobody knows what that means. But that's basically where you have a certain small time period where you have the experience where you are God and one with all things. So the devil knew just how to get my bacon because I was looking for power. I was looking for God. I was looking for him. to. I was looking. So I had about a five-hour experience where I walked around knowing that I was God and forgot, knew that I was one with everybody and everything. I was one with inanimate objects. I was just like being on drugs. It is. It is creepy. It's sick. (laughs) But it's real. His power, the enemy's power is real. He's the counterfeit of the real thing, as you all know. So anyway, I had this experience, which of course made me really, really motivated. Now I know I'm on the right track. Uh, Here I am. I'm on the right track. So we moved to Hawaii. Except I told you that I was impetuous and impulsive. So I have to check my clocks. So I'm not going too far. Oh, pastor just texted me. Hi, honey. Um, he's not online, though, because he's at lunch eating crawdads. All right. Um, so I went to Hawaii. But I went a month earlier than everybody else because I couldn't wait anymore. And it just so happened that God had moved my father to Maui. And my father was living on Maui, and he had a job, and he was driving tour buses, and he had gone through a yucky divorce with my mom. And so he was on, in Hawaii living it up gotten saved and everything well he brought me got me a little apartment and i hated it i hated hawaii i hated it It wasn't i mean i sold everything i owned put it on that container where they were all going the cult in honolulu and um, i went to maui and i was just so bored out of my wits now i was a celibate non-alcoholic vegan that wore new age weird clothes so um i went there and all the birds were different. All the trees were different. It was hot, which I hate sweating, except for when I'm working out. And um, and I hated it. And I was bored and lonely. Not bored. I was lonely out of my mind. Just crazy. Like, I hated it there. And my dad decided to take me out. And so we went out, and I met Pastor Daniel. 
Okay? And it was love at first sight. It was. And uh, that's a whole other story, which <clears throat> it's like, uh, let me just tell you right now that if you, love, if you love God and you do it his way, he will honor you with, his, with your relationship. You honor him with your relationship, he will honor you. Because our whole testimony about Maui, our, our meeting him and everything, was like a, it's like a storybook romance. Every time I watch those beautiful chick flicks, as they're called, I just sit there and go, oh, because God gave one to me. I, that's how our, oh, that's the story of our relationship. God gave that to me. So God is good. Anyway, um, I'm online. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he knows that already. <clears throat> But anyway, I met Daniel, and we started to have these spiritual conversations. And I had brought my, in my little room that I was living in, I had brought my little altar, except I didn't have all that other stuff. I just had those two pictures of the gurus on there with malas and beads and all that. And anyway, it just happened to be 1995, and there was a certain gentleman by the name of Rodney Howard Brown that was moving through Maui. And he invited me to church. Now, I'm seeking God. I'm seeking the truth. So I said, you know what? Sure. I mean, I'm sure Jesus will just fit right in there with all the other stuff. I mean, he was a great teacher, right? That's what those two people taught me. In fact, they had all these pictures, and at the end they had a picture of Jesus on there. We went to this conference, you know, and they had Jesus sitting there in a picture with, like, Shiva and all these other weird things. Anyway, I thought this funny. But I went to church, and I listened to the guy, and I was like, you know what? That sounds, yeah, that sounds like it could be truth. That sounds true. Yeah, what he's saying is true. And so they did the call to salvation, and I raised my hand, and I went forward. And my, I wasn't wearing little funny New Age robes anymore. I had changed so that I could be pretty for Daniel. <clears throat> and um, I went to the front, and I got saved. And I fell down. He came and laid hands on me, and I fell down, and I was like, what in the world is that? But after that happened, after I gave my life to Jesus, um, I had this feeling that I'd never had before, which is there's someone there. <laughs> like, there's someone there. I'm not alone anymore. I mean, it was like I felt this big being, and it was Jesus. I mean, I, it was the Holy Spirit, okay? So then the battle began. And this is where it gets all really interesting. So. It's the battle with insanity. Um, the, back, the battle that goes back and forth with deception. Okay? So God had a plan, though. He had planted me in the middle of the ocean. I went into debt moving to Hawaii, so I couldn't go anywhere. I didn't know anybody. The only people I knew was Daniel and a bunch of Christian people. So I, it was a setup from God. I was stuck. I had to stay there. So what happened was um, there was this pastor, actually, from Alaska, Pastor Ruth. Uh, John and Ruth Gillis from Eagle River I just recently contacted We stayed in touch for a couple of years But they happened to come into the place that I was working that day And they gave me my first Bible And I told them I just gave my life to Christ Although I was totally psychotic With confusion They gave me my Bible So God, I, I still have that Bible It's all beat up and everything But they gave me my first Bible I would feel like I was going insane Because I would have these voices I didn't know God I didn't know of his love I didn't know his voice to me, he was still kind of like this father who was going to be mad at me if I didn't do the right thing, you know, because that's kind of the perception I had of, of God from the little perception that I did have in my home. And I began to hear these voices constantly like, you know, that because I made a choice not to go be with that cult. I made a decision to stay on Maui because of Daniel. It wasn't because of Jesus. Amen. It was a setup from God. I was broke and I've met this really cute guy. Really cute. And uh, it was a setup, but God used it, okay? So anyway, I began to hear these voices that began to speak and press me down in my bed on a regular basis. And I thought it was God saying, this is not me. You need to pack your stuff and go to, go to Oahu and be with the cult. And I battled back and forth. So suddenly um, what happened, I mean, I used to have, I mean, I felt like I was going insane. So I was reading the Bible, and then I had my whole pile of all these New Age books over here, like all the Buddha and the Hinduism stuff, and I would go back and forth, and I felt like I was going totally nuts because, I mean, it was like a total battle going on for my, my salvation. And I, that was when God gave me the word of Proverbs 3, verse 3 to 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. That is my, like my life scripture. That is my life scripture because I thought I was going insane. And it's all about trusting in him. So what happened after that is that I was going so nuts that all I could do was say that voice or say that scripture over and over and over in my head or I was going to explode. So I'd get on my running shoes because I was very fit. Remember, I used to hike these big mountains. And I would just run. Every time I thought I was going insane, I'm used to run a lot. <laughs> I was just like, oh, God, trust the Lord with all your heart. And because they said, okay, so memorize some scriptures that, that can help you. So that was the scripture. So I memorized it. And, um, and I battled back and forth and had all these demonic voices and everything. And finally I decided after going, now meanwhile I'm still going to church and I've got people trying and I'm still carrying my big load of books with all my Buddhist stuff around. I got my little altar and everything still. So I've got all that stuff going on and I've got the Bible now. And, um, and I was going insane. I got my scripture. <laughs> but I was still going insane. And finally I decided after having hours and hours and hours long conversations with Pastor Daniel. We weren't married or anything yet. But hours. I mean late into the evening in the park. In the dark. Just sitting there arguing that Jesus was the only way. Going to church. Hearing it. Just going insane. I finally made a decision. I finally said, okay. If Jesus said these things. And if what he says is true, that he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, then I am going to go all the way. I am going to, I am going to do this. I am going to throw away all my other stuff, and I'm going to go cold turkey from all that stuff, and I'm going to go hardcore for God. So that's what I did. I made a decision one night. I took a leap of faith one night. Yes, it's great. It is great, because there's a lot of people that even, I mean, you might even be in church this morning. You might know and have even given your life to Jesus, but you're still holding on to all those books and all that stuff from some other time. You might be still holding on to relationships that are things that tie you from the past. So I had to let go of all that stuff. I, I made a choice. I burned everything. I had a huge burning, burn barrel. We went down to the beach um, somewhere in outside Kihei. There's a big beach that's on the way to Ma'alaya. I don't know where that's, what that beach is. A lot of homeless people over there. Huge bonfire. And I, I mean, I think it was like those scary movies, I won't tell you, <laughs> where you burn something and you see faces in the fire, you know, it was really scary. It was bad. I mean, things popping and snapping everywhere. I burned all my malas. My job was to make the mala necklaces for the gurus. I burned everything. I burned it all. And I gave, I just totally went all the way with him. It was my leap of faith. Um, after that, I had to... Uh, be consecrated, of course, or, you know, the consecration and the journey to holiness began. And I, I'm just going to tell you a little bit more about that. But then the main part of the message that I want to get to is what happens after that. Um, Ephesians 1.20 says that that is, however, not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in, in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So I stopped feeding myself anything from my past. I stopped. I cut off all my relationships. I got rid of all my books and everything. And I threw myself wholeheartedly. I was stuck in the middle of the ocean after all. Into church. I went to church. I went to every single service there was. I went to the peewee service. I mean, I went to everything that there was available. I mean, I went everywhere. I read the Bible. I um, went to every prayer meeting. I threw myself in there. Um, I learned how to take my thoughts captive and make them obey Christ. And that I learned by my little runs that I went on. I was in really great shape. Um, And then the Holy Spirit began to do his work. Because after all, all the change, you are the one who puts yourself in a position to be changed. And you yield, but he's the one that does the work. And I'll tell you, it goes a way lot faster, the faster that you yield. Amen? If you know, listen, when you, when you decide that you want the truth and you hear the truth, then you have to die. You have to be willing to shed and get rid of all your all your ideas and your stuff. And that's what I had to do. I mean, I had to learn how to forgive people. I mean, I had people that were slandering me and I had to learn how to forgive them. I had to learn how to, uh, well, and the Holy Spirit, like I said, does the work. I had to change the way I dressed. I didn't get told all the aunties. They were so gracious to me. They didn't say, uh, 
your skirt's a little too short. Uh, you know, you need to cover up some more. You know, I, I, they didn't do that. I was walking down the street one day, and I used to go running, right? And so I was wearing a little, just that little exercise top. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was totally naked, and I just was like, ah! So I never wore those again. I mean, the Holy Spirit did a work in me. I never wore that kind of stuff ever again. I renewed, got, had my mind renewed by the washing of the water with the Word. I learned how to receive instruction and correction, which a lot of people, I mean, the stuff that we had to, I had to get instructed and corrected, I mean, I, had, I was like a baby. I had, to, I, I had temper tantrums. When I get what I wanted, I mean, I would freak out on Daniel, just like a little baby. I had to, I had to be instructed. His mom and I, she was a great help to me. <laughs> Honey, that ain't going to fly in this family. <laughs> we weren't married yet, but I ain't going to fly. And, but the, the next thing that God had to work out of me was relationship addiction. See, I wasn't addicted to drugs. I wasn't addicted to that, but I had to have a man in my life. And um, that is the next, that is the idol that God had to break me free. And it just so happens that, you know, God had put Daniel and Pastor Daniel in my life. And this is a whole other message. But he, had, he spoke to us individually that we had to take a break. I mean, I didn't know God too well, but he said, you know what? You need to take a break from him. So I had to, I, I didn't know why, and he didn't know why we would go running again. And, um, and we came back from this run, and God said, you know what? You need to break it off. We were totally in love with each other. Okay? It's like six months, seven months, eight months into this thing. And God said, break up. So we did. And so I had to give him the sacrifice of my burning heart's desire to have get married to that guy. Which, I mean, that was my heart's desire to get married and have a family. I had to lay that on the altar. And I just want to encourage you. That's a whole other message which I could preach a whole other hour about. But I just want to tell you that, that if, you sac- if you give him, you give him your heart's desire. Like I said, you honor him with your relationships, whether it be with your kids with single people you're looking for you're wanting to get married again you honor him do not do it your own way it will be horrible honor god with your relationship and he will honor you he honored us obviously brought us back together four months later but in the meantime made it so that i didn't care if i ever got married ever again never had a man in my life got so on fire for god spent so much time at the altar wailing travailing and i'm not just talking about i'm talking about like those big ugly cries with snot running down your face I mean, that's the kind of church we are. Listen, if people, if the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you up here, don't be afraid to cry and let God touch you. This is a safe place for that. We've all been through stuff. And we're still going through it. So don't be afraid to to let God touch you. If you feel God's presence on you and He is touching you, this is the operating table. I mean, I, I, you know, during that time that Rodney Howard Brown was there, I spent so much time on the floor and you know and that didn't happen by accident you know i went to a meeting and and everybody was on the floor the first time the second time he came so first time i got saved the second time he came through was about six months later in january and everybody was on the floor except me that first night and i was so mad remember i told you i had a temper i was a baby and had a temper tantrum no was not an option for me i want that and i want it now And that's how I was. I was mad and stomping my feet. And I said, God, I want that. Whatever that is, I don't know what it is, but I want that. And I was constantly crying out for the, to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I wasn't yet and almost. But anyway, the next night I went to church because there was a week long of meetings. And from then on, I was on the floor and had to be carried out for about the next six months. I couldn't drive. I was wailing. I was crying. I was laughing. And that's where I was every service. I had to be carried out during the tithes and offerings. I had to be carried out during the daily seed. I mean, I had, I could not, and it wasn't just me wanting to lay there. It was, I was glued to the floor in another realm. God did a work in me. Okay? I'm so excited. Anyway, he healed me. All right? He gave me a power encounter from him. And if you do not have a power encounter with him where you know that you know that you know that he's God and there's no one else, it's, it, it, is, it is hard. I mean, you can white-knuckle it and go to church and try to live for God on your own. But if you don't have a power encounter, and I, you, you, you will not make it when it gets really tough. You'll turn your back or you'll go back to your old way. I mean, I'm not saying that. But generally, that's what happens. We've seen it over and over again. So I suggest if you have not had a power encounter with the Holy Spirit, with God, that you get on your face and you cry, He will come. 
He came for me. I mean, I was acting like a little baby. He could have just said, oh, I'm not doing that. You know, my kids start acting like that. I'm just all, talk to the hand, you know. But, but he didn't. He had mercy, and he came. And when you cry out to him and ask him to show himself to you and reveal himself to you, he will do it. He's a good God. He's a great father. He's not a child abuser, as my husband always says. Amen? As time went on, is that what he said to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pastor's texting me and texting Micah, who's texting me. And Anyway, sorry, it's because I need my time clock because I don't want to go too long. Um, I just want to say that, you know, my perpetual question to God was, how can I please you, God? And God would just whisper. I mean, literally, I was just so excited about God. How can I please you, God? How can I please you? Like a little puppy, how can I please you? And, and very audibly one day he said, just trust me. And I was like, oh, of course, of course. How can I please you? I'll go to Africa. I'll sell everything I own. I'll go. You know, I was just like that. But he would just say, trust me. I was like, of course. And then that test came. I call it the peeling back. <laughs> the peeling, the uh, pruning process. And, you know, by that time, Daniel and I had got married. Got married, and um, I, you know, we had been giving, uh, we, we were tithing, and uh, we were having, you know, we were married, <laughs> just starting out, financial pressure, uh, ministry training. We were being trained up in ministry. And um, I just started getting rebellious. And what that looked like, I didn't backslide, well, in, you know, the sense of going back to my other stuff. But what I did was, it, what happened is, is that I felt like God wasn't answering my prayers as fast as I wanted or the way I wanted. And I believe that as a new Christian, yeah, as a new Christian, I think we all struggle with that. Even, even as mature Christians, sometimes you might struggle with, you know, I've been waiting for 25 years, isn't it time now? But 25 years, you know, we can justify that. That's a long time. But the truth is, is God, there's, there's unanswered prayer. There, there's not unanswered prayer. It's either yes, no, or maybe, or wait, right? Isn't that, isn't that the case? Wait. Wait up. <laughs> so he, God wasn't answering my prayers at the way I wanted him to. I gave, I remember specifically giving our entire, like, this is right before we got married, but I gave my entire rent money in an offering. Now, I don't know if God told me to do that, but I had faith. I love to give, and I gave my whole rent money, and I didn't get any money back. My mind was, okay, God, I'm going to give this money, and I'm going to get a check in the mail. Yeah. Well, guess what? The testing begins. I didn't get a check in the mail, and so I started getting ticked off at God. Okay? And so that, coupled with financial pressure, and these things are all funny, but what began to happen is my heart began to get a little bit more and more hard and I began to be rebellious and I just remember one day I was pretty miserable and in fact I stopped praying and my husband we like get ready for to go to work and he was painting and he'd go to work and we'd have a time of prayer and I, he would pray and I'd just sit there like this I wouldn't pray I mean totally rebellious I just wouldn't pray I said fine my prayers aren't working anyway why am I going to pray right that's rebellion and I remember dropping him off and I went and sat at a site overlooking the ocean near Ho'okipa. And I had a vision while I was sitting there in my car, being stubborn. And God showed me a picture of myself doing this. <laughs> he also gave me two scriptures. Psalm 81, verse 11. But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn hearts to walk in their own counsel. Psalm 32, verse 9. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by the bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. So, about that time I found out I was... Okay, we had Hannah. Sorry, speed forward. We had Hannah right around that time. She was a little, a little one. Um... And I found out I was pregnant with my second child. So I was three months. And you guys have heard Daniel talk about, Pastor talk about the story of the baby that we'd lost. Well, here's my side, <laughs> my experience of it. And, you know, I had 
rebellion and temper tantrums and all that stuff, and I didn't get it trained out of me as a child, so God had to deal with that issue as, a, as an adult. So I suggest, you know, make sure that you're doing your best to train that stuff out of your kids so they don't have to deal with it when they get older because what I went through after that was just pure hell. And what happened is that I found out at 17 weeks that the baby was deformed and wouldn't live. Meanwhile, I'm going through all this rebellion with God. So then I'm just feeling really horribly guilty, like, oh, my gosh, it's my fault. And then I feel like, oh, my goodness, I can't pray. Now my prayers really aren't going to work. And I just began to sink into this black hole of despair. God is so faithful because even when, I mean, it was like all the eyes, we were in ministry. My husband was a district coordinator, which is below a minute. We were being raised up. We were doing pastoral care to about 1,400 people. And, um, you know, all the eyes of our leaders were upon us to see what we, I mean, it was silent. It wasn't obvious, but I knew that everybody was, I knew everybody was watching us. The people that we were discipling, the people that we were visiting, that we were trying to give pastoral care to, everybody's watching us to see what we were going to do. And I felt so dead. I did not feel God's presence. Starting when I started being rebellious, I did not feel God's presence. Through the entire pregnancy, in my grief, finding that out, praying, I did not feel God's presence the entire time. Not once. I know he's there because he said he's close to the brokenhearted. He said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And I clung to those scriptures because I had no experience. I know God's presence. I lived on the floor for a long time. I've, I mean, I know God. I know Jesus. I know the Holy Spirit. I know his presence. And I had no experience of his presence for that entire nine-month period. I went to church. I still went five days a week because I, I had it ingrained in me that I'm going to do what's right. He alone has the words of eternal life. So I don't care how I feel. I feel dead and stupid. Sitting on the front row, you met everybody. The church is going wild. Our church is in revival over there. And everybody's worshiping God with their whole hearts. And I'm on the front row feeling so dead. And I'm just sitting there trying to praise God, you know. I mean, it was, that was the sacrifice of praise, I'll tell you. And Pastor Colleen just encouraged me so much because I, we were leading the young adults at the time. And she goes, Karen, faith is holding on by that little tiny skin that's underneath your fingernails. When it looks completely hopeless. That's real faith. That's when you're holding on by the hair of your chinny chin chin. When there's no hope. Black, bleak. That's real hope. When you know, or real faith. When you're, you know, he alone has the words of eternal life. Where am I going to go? I got delivered. I mean, where I know that he's the one. So I went. I stayed faithful. Felt dead inside. The baby was born. Didn't feel God's presence again went through mourning. In fact, my daughter was um, 11 months old, Hannah, when the baby was born. Didn't feel God's presence. Had a, tried to labor. Had a C-section. Had about 100 people in the lobby of the hospital there while I gave birth. Had, like, had so many visits in the hospital, I couldn't even sleep because there were so many people. You know, the baby died, so everybody. And then we had the funeral and everything. I did not feel God's presence in my grief. I was, I was just so bad. But God, in his mercy, you know, he raised up people to come and minister to me. I, we had meals for like a month and a half. And he was so good. And I just decided, you know, like Job said, though he slay me, I'm going to praise him. Sacrifice of praise. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. I don't feel his presence. I think he hates me. <laughs> I did. I went through. I mean, you can imagine. And one day, um, we were over at our church. We lived up in Kula. And we have a church. Wade and Frida went over there. And I walked across the street because we lived there. And the ladies were over there and um, praying. And so I would walk over there just like and try to feel his presence and pray. And uh, one day they prayed for me. They all gathered around me and they laid hands on me. And the next morning I woke up and that whole thing had broken off. And I came out of the grief. I got out of that season, but it was 18 months, 18 months without feeling God's presence. That was a test. But he, he set me free. The next day, it was like spring had opened. The, the heavens had opened. And I, take, I took it. It was like the second I got up, I sat up in bed. I was like, oh, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm alive. I'm alive. Oh, God. And I 
felt his presence again. And I was so thankful. I just want to encourage you. That's, that's the thing I want to encourage you with this morning. You know, my testimony of salvation is awesome and great, but I, I, I want to encourage you. I mean, God has brought us since through lots of trials and tribulations. Lots of times. I mean, maybe, you know, you, it's just life. You go through things, you know, people in your family die, friends leave, your marriage is having a hard time, your kids are being jerks, <laughs> your parents are being jerks, you know, <laughs> from the kid's side, you know, I don't know what it is. You know, tragedy happens. But he is so faithful, and so every time, no matter what you are going through, you have to make a decision, and, and that's the thing, you have to decide I decided, just like I decided, it's a continual cycle that I notice in my life, and I, and I believe in the life of every Christian. You have to decide, just like I did when I decided that Jesus was the only way. Well, every day when you're faced with stuff, you have to decide, he's the only way. I ain't going back there. I'm not going to go and gorge myself on food because, no, Jesus is the only way. I'm not going to go back and take a drink because Jesus is the only way. I, you have to decide. Then you have to decide that you're going to set yourself apart. You've got to continue to walk that consecration. You've got to continue to allow God to work holiness in you. He said that we could be holy and live right. He said that we should live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. And we know that we can live holy because he said to be holy as he is holy. He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. There's really no excuse. I'm so thankful because he used the stubborn, he, he, he removed that rebellion out of my heart, but he used the stubbornness, which I still have. Some people have seen it in my life. A staff have seen it. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. But he used that stubbornness to help me get through all of that. He used that stubbornness to help me to want to live a life that is holy and pleasing to God. To never turn back. To never turn back. And you know, maybe your turning back is not going back to drugs. But maybe your turning back is just, I mean, who knows? You know what it is for you. The compromise that you take because your faith might be wounded or whatever. Amen. He is a God of breakthrough. And I, I just want to say that, it, like, he, like Paul, or he says in Philippians 3.13, I don't count myself as having attained the life worthy of the Lord. I'm still trying, just like you. I'm trying. But pr- looking, putting all that stuff behind me, even this morning, if I was cranky with my kids, I'm putting that behind me, and I'm going to press forward, and I'm going to look to the things that are ahead. Amen. So many people are living half-hearted for God because maybe you've never had a power encounter. Maybe you've, maybe you have gone through something like what I went through, and God didn't answer your prayer. You know, you know the miracle of that death. We prayed for a miracle, and I got my miracle. My miracle was that I got completely submitted and sold out for God, not caring if He ever answered another prayer in my life. Just had that stuff stripped off. That was the miracle. We had the miracle. He answered my prayer. I got my miracle total dependence. I don't care. I'm going to serve you. I love you and you're great and and no matter what you what happens. That was my miracle. But maybe this morning you have walked through something or maybe you're walking through something now. Maybe I don't know what. Maybe something's going on. Maybe you have a wounded faith. Maybe you haven't gone all the way. Maybe you're just come to church and you're just kind of half in the world. And half in God, like I was, like that crazy person. It's crazy. There is the, the no more miserable life than half in the world and half in God. It is the most miserable existence. That's why I had that scripture and I went running. But maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe one of these categories is you this morning. I think all of us can be encouraged to go all the way for God. Every, I mean, we, it's a choice we have to make every single day. Let's just stand to our feet this morning. I'm just going to wait on the Lord for a second. Just have an attitude of prayer.
Jesus, you're so good. I'm just so thankful. God, for all your delivering power. God, I thank you that you are the mighty one. You're the healer. You're the deliverer, God. And you alone have the words of eternal life. You're a mighty God. And I just put this out there. If that's you, if this message spoke to you in some way this morning, why don't you just come to the front. And whatever area that is, if you you need more of God, if you need to be more dependent on Him, if you want to sell the farm afresh today, maybe you did yesterday, but you want to do it again today, maybe you have wounded faith, maybe you're going through a death experience in your life. Well, you just feel like you don't feel God and you're just like in a hurricane of emotions. Come to the front this morning. We're just going to pray and seek God. Jesus. And I just want you to, to pray with me. Lord, we just humble ourselves before you today. And we just say we trust in you. We trust in you. We trust that you are faithful to complete the good work that you have begun in us today. We just say that you are faithful. Lord, you alone have the words of eternal life. God, we say and make a declaration this morning. Lord, that you are the only way. Lord, that no matter what's going on in our lives, we are going to serve you. We are going to love you. We are going to give our hearts and surrender our hearts to you. God, unite our hearts to fear your name this morning. Give people wholehearted devotion unto you. God, come upon your people this morning, those who are brokenhearted, who have, have, have been struggling in their faith because of circumstances or situations in their lives. Lord, come upon them right now. Holy Spirit, come. Bring your healing power upon your people this morning. Lord, we are living in a day and an age where we cannot afford to be half-hearted or lukewarm in our devotion to you. Lord, and we just yield ourselves to you this morning. Come on, just just tell him this morning that you're going to go all the way in every area. That and, and, you know, he's the one that makes... He's the one that does the work. So you just yield your heart and ask him. Lord, we yield our hearts and ask that you would have your perfect work in us this morning. Lord, people that are struggling with addictions and afflictions and, and, and sins, God, come upon these this morning. Break them free by your spirit and by your power. Lord, help them. Strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man that they might resist the enemy and the temptations of the enemy. And we just say yes. We say yes to you. We decide once and for all. We make the decision now, God, to go all the way. We consecrate ourselves to you. Come on, just talk to the Lord right now. Lord, we set ourselves apart for you. And we ask, Lord, that you would do that perfect work in us. That you would make us holy. By your spirit, you would wash away all the things. God, we repent. Lord, we repent right now for those things that we've, we've dabbled with. We repent to holding on, for holding on to those things from the past when you want to set us free from that. We repent right now. And we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. Lord, that you make all grace abound towards us. So we just love you and we honor you this morning. Now just just tell the Lord thank you. Just praise him right now. He's the one. He's the helper. You're not in it alone. I tell my kids upstairs, it takes God to live for God. You can't do it on your own. It takes God to live for God. So just praise him, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for breakthroughs. Thank you for healing. In Jesus' name, we thank you for giving us the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. Thank you. Thank you for breaking through. In Jesus' name. Now this morning, maybe it's your first time 
being in church or maybe you haven't ever really given your life to Jesus to even know or know what I'm talking about. But I want to give you an opportunity right now. If you've never given your heart to Jesus or if you just want to make a fresh commitment, which a lot of us have done up here this morning, but maybe you're still in your seat. Or maybe you just want to be assured of your salvation this morning. If that's if any one of those is you, uh, you this morning, can you just raise up your hand so I can see your hand today? I see your hands back there. Praise God. Let's just pray. Let's just pray and, and affirm our faith this morning. Dear Jesus, we thank you for dying on a cross. Lord, please forgive me of all of my sin. Thank you for rising again so that I could have another chance. Holy Spirit, come and fill me today. Thank you for strengthening me to resist the enemy. Help me to live for you. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can somebody just thank God this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're awesome. You're an awesome God. You're a mighty God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So just take hands with someone right now. Make sure you come tonight. Uh, Brother Trent's going to be sharing the word tonight. It's going to be great. And I'm so excited to see all your faces and Pastor sends his love and everything. He says hi. <laughs> love y'all. Go get them. Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you for what you've done this morning. God, help us to remember all the great things that you've done. Lord, even as I've shared what you have delivered me from and my testimony this morning, I pray that you would cause your people to remember, Lord, the days of old, the things that you've done. Lord, move in power in their lives. God, touch your people this morning. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance to them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Oh,